start or just let us know what's been going on if there's anything you'd like to share well we've been following the events in ukraine as i'm sure most of you have and um, <clears throat> it's a cause for concern uh, for the world order and we'll see what happens um, some of the devotees on here are very close to there in Poland, in uh, Romania, and they'll probably be feeling it that much more. Some of our devotees in Poland have been taking refugees, both devotee refugees and just um, ordinary people as well, trying to help house them, feed them, and so forth. It's, uh, I think, Almost 400,000 refugees have fled the country. And um, so, yeah, I've been watching that um, and with some concern. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah. yeah. We live in a dangerous world. Um, <clears throat> um, but um, otherwise, um, safest place is in the Kirtan. Of the holy name so let's take some questions and we'll try to respond and call it a kirtan <laughs> so so far we have i think um, four questions so um we'll probably we'll get more in after um okay oh shama sundar was said he can't paste his question hmm. Okay, um, so let's start with Omkar's question. Um, he also had trouble with the audio. So his question is, is it possible to surprise Krishna since he already knows everything? Well, there's two sides to Krishna. There's his all-knowing side, which is, you know, leans towards his majesty and Aishvarya, and then his Buddha, his, his uh, side where he's covered and in terms of his omniscience by the power of love of uh, his extraordinary intimate <clears throat> associates in Braj. And so in that setting, then he can be surprised. Mm -hmm. That's why I say sometimes that, uh, well, if you're omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, it might sound desirable, but if you think deeply about it, it might turn out to be pretty boring. <clears throat> if you know everything, well, there's nothing to do. If you're everywhere already, there's nowhere to go. You've got all the power. So, so, what does God do in that condition? Well, what do you do on your board? Then you play, you make up something to do. Hmm. So that's a way of looking at, at, at the Leela. We, we think it is, 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 a, is a higher form of knowing because to love one is to know one. And to love, love, love you is to know, know, know you. It's an old song from the 50s. Hmm. 
So um, that's our theme, right? That those who, uh, and that's the statement of the Gita also, with the Raja Vidya, Raja Guya, I'm the, high, the, the king of knowledge is love me. That's what Krishna says, just love me. And these are some of the ways in which you can do so, absorb your mind in me, so on. Um, so become my devotee. So um, it's also, in that regard also, it said that uh, the, um, Another word, uh, another meaning for gopi is vidya. And so it's, it's thought um, that the gopis love, is another way of talking about it, is, is the highest knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so, even while we are speaking of the fact that Krishna could be surprised, for example, in that realm, we're um, speaking about the form of the Godhead that is the highest form of knowing at the same time, beyond beyond omniscience. Uh, I think it's a peculiar and particular only to Gaudiya Vaishnava theology, that there's knowledge beyond uh, omniscience and its love. So Krishna says, Napareyaham, in, in Bhagavatam, and that, that should startle, startle the readers, Napareyaham, I, I can't, I'm unable, he says, I'm unable. What? Krishna is unable, and then then the text goes on to say, even if I tried for the life of of the gods, I would still be unsuccessful. He's that unable? What's going on here? And this is, of course, how he is responding to the full measure of the gopis' love that he witnesses, as was his desire, by creating separation between them and him in the midst of their union in the Rasalila. You disappear to see the measure of their love and separation because it's said that when you lose something that you're attached to, then the measure of your attachment or your love for the thing is really amplified or underscored. And so he wanted to see, but when he saw, he was it kind of knocked him out. And he realized that he was up against a force that um, was greater than himself, love for himself. Of course, that's an aspect of himself. That's his internal energy. But anyway, this is very core to the Gaudiya theology, where he could be unknowing, where he could be surprised, where he could be unable, um, and, uh, and so forth. It's really talking about um, Krishna with Radha, with Shakti. Krishna with Shakti is more capable, more knowing, more possibilities lie there, the more the Shakti is, 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 is present and, um, and active, even when it looks as if he doesn't know, he claims that he's unable and so forth. Uh, so after all, what, 
it is, as I've often said, something within himself that makes, that gives the gopis the power that they have. There's something in him that drives them to their, their condition, which he himself is shocked by, overwhelmed by, controlled by. So it's, it, it is him, it's, he's it. But um, that fullness of himself is realized by their love. And so, therefore, he, he wants to take their position. This, this verse, of course, I'm speaking about is the, is the genesis of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. <clears throat> um, so, yes, Krishna can be surprised, but don't be surprised. <laughs> don't be surprised if, if he turns around and surprises you at the same time. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what else? Okay, um, Shama Sundar is going to open up his mic and ask his question. Good morning, if I can. I can hear them in the background. Yeah. I can hear them in the background. We hear the cicadas. I heard this this morning you saw in a, uh, a leopard. Yeah. Wow. Exciting. Yeah. Another one. Yeah. Okay. Can you still hear me, Arjun? Yes, someone had their mic on. Okay. It's a pretty gentle jungle down there overall. Cheetah, look like a cheetah, he said, somebody said. Mm -hmm. Mm 
Well, it's a long question. I don't think the answer would be short. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what we can make, make out. Yeah. <clears throat> Here come the cicadas. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, um, um, there are... Um, I want to say there are spiritual and material manifestations of all of the elements. Um, so, Bhumirapo and Alobayukama, Bhuricha, Hankara, Dhyama, Vina Prakatirashtada, Krishna says in the Gita, this, this is my separated material energy. It's constituted of these eight elements, Hankara being one of them, earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and Hankara. Um, that is his separated material energy, but there are spiritual manifestations of the same. Hmm? So, yes, um, here you say it's real water. Well, all you can really say is it's water made by manifest out of the Maya Shakti. Hmm? Um, so, there's water manifest out of the Saruk Shakti as well. Um, and similarly, uh, there's a there's ankar. In, in fact, Krishna um, has antakar, and he has a mind. He has a body. Krishna has a body. He has a mind. He has senses, body senses. He has uh, uh, chitta, buddhi, intellect, um, and ankar, which kind of brings the antakar and the subtle body together into a, you know, uh, I want to say a, a whole, an, an, an identity. So, um, in fact, uh, there are four coward boys, according to the, the Tantra, Gotamiya Tantra, that are personifications of Krishna's uh, Chitta, Bodhi, Manas, and Hankar. Hmm? Dham, Vasudham, Kinkini, and Sudam. Hmm? Um, so, uh, yes, Krishna has Ahankara. He has an, a sense of identity. Um, and, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a, an inherent quality of the jiva also, sense of I, I am. Hmm? So, uh, I've often said, in the material world, we think I am this or I am that, and it's false. But the I am is not false. All the this and the that's are changing all the time, but what's constant is that I am. So I don't stop being I am in, 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 in liberated life. We're talking about uh, Krishna Leela, our ideal, the Prem, Prayojan, and um, there I am a Gopa, or I am a Gopi. That's the this or that. The difference, of course, between that, I am this or that, <laughs> Gopa, Gopi, and the I am this or that, I am man or I am woman, African-American, Russian, Ukrainian, and so forth in the material world, of course, is that the latter is a fleeting sense of identity that doesn't endure. But I said, the I am does. But on the other side, the former, I am a gopa or a gopi, that's enduring because those are bhavas that are eternal. Hmm? 
Hmm? So we identify with the particular bhava hmm? and, um, and an identity is, uh, arises out of that. So there is a spiritual uh, ahankar, if you will. And you, you, you speak about yogis meditating on Brahman or Paramatma. Um, and uh, you posited the idea that they don't, they don't have a sense that I am. Um, I'm not sure that you would look at it like that. I am Brahman is how, for example, the Advaitins like to look at things. I am Brahman. They haven't done away with the I am. Um, um, of course, they're radical in their non-dualism. So um, how it ends up, uh, I am. Yeah, there's no, there's no duality there, uh, if you will. Or yoga, samadhi, I am, I am the Paramatma, or I am. There's duality there in yoga siddhanta. Uh, there's the Paramatma, Ishwar, and then there's, there's the Purusha. In this case, means in our terms, the Jiva. Um, so you, if you have, uh, there is, there is a, in fact, there's Brahma Sayuja, there's Paramatma Sayuja, so there's a, there's a merging with the Paramatma. But when we think of, I'm the Paramatma, and there's an example of that in Bhagavatam, a fellow in Dwarka who considered himself to be Vishnu, I am Vishnu. Uh, Krishna, effectively, um, Pondraka, I think was his name. Um, so he was uh, pursuing, as you could say, Paramatma Sahuja. But uh, above that, the, for example, Shantarasa, the um, passive adoration of the Paramatma on the part of the Bhakta. I mean, I'm referring it to it as a duality, of course, it's, it's non-dual in the big picture of Bodhi Vaishnavism, but uh, there's a duality in the sense that, well, there's you and there's Bhagavan, so there's unity and there's a difference. So um, when, you, when you enter into the Krishna Leela, then it's just accentuated that much more. Yes, every, every, every um, how could the Leela be human-like and afford the intimacy with, it, with Bhagavan that it does if all of the, if, there, if no one had any sense, that everyone thought I, I'm God. <laughs> everyone is thinking, yes, I'm a coward boy. I'm a gopi. This is my identity. And this is Krishna. He lives in my neighborhood. We're all part of the same village here. So they very much have a sense of identity. And Hankar is present there. But it's, uh, it's like there's a spiritual form of water, earth, and fire. So of all the... Uh, other, if you will, elemental ingredients of, of, of on, on, on the other side in the material world. So, another question. And, and, and for that matter, it behooves one to the extreme in one sadhana to think, I am a coward boy, I am a gopi, as, as the central focus of one sadhana, which is a positive way, if you will, of deconstructing. Hmm, the I am a Chatriya, I am a Brahmin, I am a man, I'm a woman, I'm an American, I'm a Russian, and so forth. Um, 
we 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 deconstruct that false identity by positing a a, a real and eternal and enduring sense of identity. That's very central uh, to 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 the sadhana. Mahaprabhu hmm? well, said, "You know, I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not a Brahmana, Chatriya, Sanyas. I'm the servant of the servant of the uh, of the." Uh, Gopi Bhartu Parakamalayudasdasanadas, of the master of the, of the gopis. So he says in, what does he say in Chikshastakam? Asli Shiva Palurutam Panashtam. No. Yeah. Asli Shiva Palurutam Panashtam. Adarshanam Amatam Kurutiba. Tatata Babidakalam. No, no, that's the last verse. What, is it? Uh, what, what am I thinking of? Fourth verse, fifth verse. Ayi nanda kinkaram. Ayi nanda tanuja kinkaram. The son, the, the nanda tanuja, the nanda, it means the son of nanda, Mahaprabhu is saying, Ayi nanda tanuja kinkaram, patitamam vishame babamudu. Uh, he's he's identifying himself. He says, "I want to live in the house of Nanda Maharaj, as a girl would if she were to marry Nanda Maharaj's son." That's what he's saying. I want to live in the house of Nanda Maharaj. Uh, I'm I'm a maid servant of Krishna. So this is uh, uh, this verse represents asakti. So this is the last stage of. Sadhana bhakti, entering into bhava bhakti. So there's very much there's a sense, there's a sense of self, even as that self is wholly one with uh, with Bhagavan. He doesn't have a different desire from Bhagavan. He is or she is an instrument through which Bhagavan is fulfilling any number or one of his innumerable uh, desires or his uh, experiencing his unlimited pursuit of the taste of rasa through yet another vehicle. So there's a oneness and there's a difference at the same time. We tend to emphasize the difference. Um, but as I said before, the, the Siddha Day is, is an extension of Bhagavan's own body, extension of his own senses. And he experiences then through that body. The, uh, Rasananda, hmm. and you do too. So you're there and he's there. Another question? Okay, we have the Brighton Sangha and um, Amrita Gopal has a question. Yes. Maharaj. Yes. I was... I'm very hopeful that you can elaborate on an instruction given by Shri Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. Um, his admonition was that we mustn't ever consider the Guru to be a human being, to be ordinary in any sense. And I'm very, I'd be very grateful if you can elaborate on that instruction and how it expands into understanding sadhus as well because there's an inherent parity between sadhu and guru and considering guru tattva where guru is considered one 
I'm hopeful that you can uh, clear up some misunderstanding that I may have about that instruction. And secondly, I was listening to a class um, given by Rameshwar Prabhu. Uh, he was giving a class over the weekend speaking about the 20th disappearance anniversary of Shilatamo Kashoka Swami Maharaj. And he was speaking about you with great affection and fondness. And I'm I would be very, very grateful to hear some words about that period in 1975 where Srila Prabhupada was stoking the competition between all of you great book distributors and particularly your remembrances of um, Srila Tamakusha Goswami Maharaj. Thank you. Well, thank you for your questions. They're quite different um, in one sense. Um, uh, I think that, uh, that uh, we are cautioned uh, this may help to not to think of the deity as a stone. Arche Vishnu Shilalil Gurushu Naramati. So Jati Budhi, Vaishnavi Jati Budhi. So that's a famous statement from the, I believe, from the Padma Purana. Arche Vishnu Shilalil. You know it? Gurushu Naramati. So just as one should not think of the Archa Vigraha the deity of Krishna to be a stone. Now, you've probably practiced that, not thinking of the deity as a stone, although the deity, the divinity is manifest in stone, manifest in, in wood as may be the case of earth and um, clay image. Hmm? One should not think the deity Archa Vigra to be a uh, stone. That means that what? That your eyes, our eyes, can see us. Right? You can't judge a book by looking at the cover. So we are trained, therefore, to see with a philosophical eye. The term that's often uh, invoked in this regard is Shastra Chakshu. So Chakshu means eyes, to, to see through the eyes of the scripture. Hmm? To see, when the, that's your third philosophical eye, if you will, hmm? to see in that way. And then, of course, conducting yourself in accordance with that vision, you should get experience that confirms what's being said there. Hmm? So if you treat the deity not like a stone, but like Krishna, even though he, in some sense, is symbolic, or is a symbolic representation of Krishna, that doesn't, I don't mean like in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an enlightened sense, uh, but um, a symbolic representation. And there's, and there's uh, you know, there you're in the realm of ritual, and there are certain ways in which we conduct ourselves in the realm of ritual. Which ritual, excuse me, has its own language, its own procedures, turn here, pour water here, pour water there, pour water everywhere, and uh, utter this sound, utter that sound, and so on and so forth. So this is a symbolic realm. This is a realm that uh, is, uh, it is uh, a finite in appearance, but eternal if we enter into it through the appropriate language, 
conceptual orientation and so forth that um, um, is recommended. <clears throat> so again, the experience then is 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 um, corresponds. So I bring this up in the same verse, Arche Vishnu, uh, Guru Shunaramati. So similarly, it said, one should not think the Guru to be an ordinary, ordinary person. Mm -hmm. Well, that'd be kind of hard to do if, if there's a Guru figure in our life that is actually um, bringing about a transformation in our life by imparting uh, knowledge and setting an example that we can follow, which if we do, we get experience again. Um, experience here, as I'm citing, is the ultimate praman, the ultimate evidence. Um, uh, I wouldn't, I would caution, however, that not to take this kind of mandate that we should not see the guru as an ordinary human being uh, as something that that makes us uh, that takes us in the direction of some kind of neurosis. Mm -hmm. um, I'm explaining it in a, in a broader way. Mm -hmm. Someone who is giving us knowledge of Krishna consciousness that we couldn't have uncovered on the, st on the strength of our own uh, mental, intellectual, physical powers hmm, is arguably giving us something from beyond the reach of those powers hmm, and it's affecting us of course with the knowledge comes again the uh, instruction to apply the knowledge right hmm. then comes then comes the experience so if we we want to be cemented in this uh, understanding then we have to practice and get experience. But even, even prior to that, we're receiving insights. Um, typically, we, typically we receive insights from the guru figure about that which is right in front of our face that we couldn't see ourselves. Hmm. You might be able to see it yourself if you really tried hard, some of it, but for the most part, uh, it's not the case. For example, um, attachment to things, the things that we pursue, is the womb from which suffering is born. Now, who thinks like that? Hmm? Everyone is pursuing things, trying to acquire uh, in the pursuit of happiness. Hmm? And uh, uh, the, the scripture and the guru who represents the scripture, of course, is telling us, well, actually, what you, you're actually, your attachment is the womb from which suffering is born. So this is like, whoa, kind of like, you know, kind of Zen, it's kind of like less is more, turn things around, right? Um, those, those kind of things, just giving a simple example that are right in front of our face. And this is the sum and substance of the teaching of the Buddha. I mean, it really doesn't go beyond that. The world is about suffering, and what causes the suffering is the thirst for things. Hmm? 
So stop pursuing things. So he sat down. That's all he did. He just sat down. <laughs> not hard. Just sit down. <laughs> well, it's not so easy just to sit down. The mind is active as it is, and we have attachments um, in our in our hearts, and that's causing us to be active in pursuit of them, and so on. And so the life of suffering. Um, so these are just very like powerful um, insights into, into what's right before us that we can't see. Hmm? Now we're supposed to really embrace those things because the guru has shown us these things hmm, that we couldn't see that were right there in front of us. Now he or she is also talking about things that we can't see and that aren't right in front of us. Akashi Krishna Namadi With these eyes, you cannot see Krishna. With these ears, you cannot hear. With these senses, you cannot experience Krishna. With the senses, you can experience the, what is suffering and where it's coming from and so forth. Hmm. So he's telling us about other things, but we have faith in what she's saying, she guru, hmm, that we can't experience because of what we've been told that we're that is right in front of us and now we're seeing it. And, and we can immediately put it into practice and to some extent at least experience the, the, the validity of it. Hmm. And so that which is now something that we will experience by further application of the of, of the teaching and so forth that we can't as of yet well, we, we have reason to have faith in that so these are the things that we receive from the guru hmm? these are as i said things that uh with the for, for the most part the exercise of our mind and intellect we couldn't we couldn't arrive at you you could arrive at the former where you know the, 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 the attachment is the, is the source of suffering, but it would be hard. Hmm? Not too, not too many people do that. But with the help of a of a person who who's uh, compelling by way of put, having put that in practice himself or herself, well, then we get a real jump start, if you will, into understanding that. So this is very uncommon. So then, how you would think of that person as common? Hmm? Well, because he does other things, you know, he eats like I eat and he just needed to go to the bathroom. That's what humans have to do, you know, and uh, and so therefore we're 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 told, yeah, step back. Yeah, the deity's not a stone. Well, you know, I knocked on him and it sounded like a stone and didn't feel like, you know, lotus feet. Um, but we don't we stop ourselves from thinking like that. Right because we've been informed um, otherwise, and we've had some glimpses into that, into that fact. We look at the deity, even though we can't see everything, perhaps that, and the deity's not talking to you, which would be a problem, then you wouldn't be able to have time to do anything else. Um, so that's why I proposed the, the deity's Krishna coming to you in a form that you can handle, but if he talks, sometimes he talks, then, then you're in trouble. But, but other people may come for the first time to the temple. They, they are not seeing what you're seeing. Hmm? So you're, you're actually seeing differently. And uh, by application of the, of the teachings and so forth, and, and, and looking at the deity through the eye of the scripture. So in a broad sense, I don't think it's so hard not to think uh, of, not, it's not that easy, I should say, to fall into thinking of the guru as an ordinary um, person. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's kind of uh, not thinking very, very, very deeply that would cause that. But that the fact that uh, that uh, if you want to say the divinity is appearing in the form of the guru, well, the form has its uh, you know its, its its limitations as well, uh, just like the stone deity uh, has apparent limitations. So the human form has limitations. It's going to it's going to grow age. It's going to pass away, uh, so on and so forth. Um, so that's a that that's a given. Then there's a psychology of the guru also. There's the physicality of the guru. There's a psychology of the guru. Our psychology may match with our guru. It may not match that well with our guru. That's why sometimes it's recommended. Well, if you're a sudra, you should have a sudra guru. If you're a brahmin, you should have a brahmin guru. Uh, that's all you know. Varnashram system. But that that is an attempt to line up the relative and the absolute both, so that the transmission the capacity for transmission will be enhanced. Hmm? I remember I sometimes we sit with Prabhupada in India and uh, after the lecture, he, he'd give a darshan, let's say in his room and, um, and there's some new Indian boy that's been brought in. So after the darshan, Prabhupada says, so did you understand? And he would nod and probably go, huh, then? What was going on there? Well, you go down and you find that there's a boy in the kitchen washing pots, you know. <laughs> So Prabhupada was able to communicate with him, uh, you know, given the cultural um, similarities and so forth, in ways that he couldn't as readily perhaps communicate with uh, uh, students from, uh, from another culture. Of course, ultimately we want a guru that's qualified spiritually, but if we have one that's spiritually qualified and also relatively uh, uh, similar, Culturally speaking, psychologically speaking, to ourself, well, then you, you know you got a better conduit there for the transmission. Um, so, um, and that said, you know, when we go on that side, you know, what will cause us to think of the, the guru as an ordinary person? Well, the ordinary things that he or she does. But if we if we if we love the guru, then the ordinary things are no longer ordinary, right? Mother said that. Mother named her blind son Padmalochan. Means lotus eyes. Anyone who's blind people often wear sunglasses because their eyes don't look beautiful. But for the eyes of the mother in love, the blind son, she said, Oh, you should name him Padmalochan. His, his eyes are so beautiful. Such is the power of love. So love, which is arises, of course, out of the, you know, initially from gratitude, you've shown me something that I couldn't see myself. Uh, how, and how big is that? Wow, that I, what I've been shown. Uh, therefore, there's, a, there's an indebtedness. Love begins with, with, with gratitude. And then if we apply ourselves, as I'm saying, then uh, in time, the humanness of the guru, uh, which might lead one student to think of him or her as being ordinary will have just the exact opposite effect on another hmm? we'll, 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 we'll like the ordinariness that much more that hmm? uh, brings the guru a little closer to us in a sense the guru has to be a little careful sometimes the example is given of a fire well you can't get too close to a fire but you can't stay too far away from it either it, you won't have warmth, you won't be able to cook, 
If you get too close, you'll get burned. So the guru has to navigate the course there. Some disciples can sit closer. Some need to sit a little bit more of a distance. He's not keeping them at a distance because he doesn't like them, because he likes them. <laughs> because he, he, this is a method for bringing them in. Some might think, well, Gurudev made me sit in the back, have me sit over there and let the other one sit here. You know, I guess he doesn't love me. Or, and your mind's going in that, that direction. No, there's, there's, there's more wisdom to it than you might, um, might understand or might realize. Hmm? Um, but some can be very close and and, and in, in, in such instances, the humanness of the guru is, is, is more becoming, more inspiring than the transcendental knowledge that he or she imparts even. So I think there's some thoughts on that. I, 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 again, I, I, I caution you not to, be, not to get neurotic about such cautions and so forth. Um, uh, which which happens to a lot of devotees when you talk about an aparad, and this is one thinking the guru is an ordinary, ordinary, but there is some ordinariness, and that's okay, some ordinariness, but it's extraordinariness, <laughs> something like that. As far as uh, Tamal Krishna Goswami goes, well, I, I, I knew him pretty well. Um, there's things I liked about him, and there's things I didn't like about him. <laughs> it was probably mutual on his part as well. Um, he had a he had a difficult time understanding me, and he told me that how I could just sit down and give a class without preparing for it or anything. And and um, Prabhupada had said that I was the incarnation of book distribution. And he was always scratching his head trying to figure that out. I, I was kind of like a you know Shiva Tattva. My name is Tripura, which is named for Shiva. I wasn't a GVC. I, at one point, I wasn't a Sannyasi either, but I wasn't like. With the rest of the devotees, but I was on the street with the rest of the devotees, and so it's it kind of a I'm kind of a was kind of a confusing figure for some. He was one of them who uh, told me that um, about himself. Um, he was a little older than me, um, and some ways uh, more of a mature uh, human, um, but. Um, yeah, I got to know him uh, quite well, and we served together for some some years, also. Um, and um, and those years were the years that he uh, came to the United States. He was the GBC of India at the time. Prior to that, and um, he actually wanted to get a little bit away from the fire of Prabhupada. He had a management position as the GBC, but Prabhupada was the super GBC of India. So the GBCs of India didn't have the kind of autonomy that the GBCs of North America or Europe or other places had, because Prabhupada, of course, it was India, so it was his place, was, and he, he knew how things worked better. So he was more hands-on there with the projects, and he had to be for them to work, because his disciples couldn't figure everything out, how the country worked, how the people worked, and so forth. So. Um, the Krishnamurti told me he said I, I need to get a, a little bit of a little bit of autonomy, hmm. and I thought you know that I will go to America and I'll make devotees, you know that'll be pleasing to Prabhupada. So Prabhupada gave me permission to come to America. That was uh, that was probably uh, uh, I think he came in 1975, which is the year I took sannyas. I took sannyas in 1975 and. 
uh, March or April, um, and he came to the Americas shortly thereafter, which is when I got to know him. Um, <laughs> and uh, when he started his party of the, uh, he got his old friend Vishnu John. They used to live in a commune together in Northern California as hippies, and um, so they they were old acquaintances. So they they. He reunited with Vishnu John Marshall, who had a bus, beat up old bus with the Radhadamadar deities that he used to travel around in and do uh, kirtan and serve them and so forth. So um, he connected with him and he, he was, wasn't like Vishnu John Marshall, they were very different people. So he was an organizer and um, very meticulous kind of organizer about where everything should go, how it should go. and, and uh, and so on and so forth. Mr. John was very like, like spontaneous and not keeping track of things. I'm a bit like that myself too. Um, so uh, the combination of those two anyway was, uh, was, was good to an extent. And they started uh, a party of buses, many buses, five, six buses and filled with brahmacharis and so on and so forth. And um, he, uh, He wanted to please Prabhupada by, uh, by making devotees. So that year, then that summer, shortly thereafter, Prabhupada came to America and, um, and Tamal Krishnamurti had made six devotees or something like that, brought them to, to Prabhupada. Each hatred matter rose to give the Prabhupada, gave the rose to Prabhupada, the new, new disciples, students that I've made Prabhupada. Prabhupada was pleased, but Prabhupada said to him, what about book distribution? So this is like, this is what like, they really tweaked him then. He, he thought he was going to make devotees. And, you know, that was really what it was all about. And it, it is. But, but at the time, Prabhupada wanted, if you're going to be in America, you should see this dissemination of my books. So he had to wrap his head around that. And that's how he started then to connect more with, with me because that's, that's what I was doing. And um, anyway, he uh, traveled around America and and uh, used to go to the Sunday feasts and give a lecture, and then and then ask the uh, temple president, um, you know, are there any of the guests that have been coming regularly, hmm, who are maybe you know, I can just push them over the edge here and get them to join, and so then they would send those people into a darshan after the class and after prasadam, further questions, and if they were young men, he'd say, you know. Wouldn't you like to travel around the world? You know, <laughs> show them a picture of the, the bus in the back of the Godhead magazine, and it was just down the street. And so then he was stealing the brahmacharis, potential brahmacharis, out of the temple <laughs> to join the bus party with this real romantic, you know, kind of presentation. That caused a big stir. Hmm? That caused a big stir in in in, uh, in, in North America. The temple presidents were re revolting. It's a very interesting chapter of uh, of, of Iskon, but um, he was uh, successful. Uh, he, he he started distributing books and through his party and so forth. And, and then the the end of that year came around, and um, you know he wanted it was gonna, we all would go to India, you know, for the festival to be with Prabhupada, and so. Um, 
I had a party of my own, you know, it was a book distribution party, and we were remitting more funds to the book fund than anyone else. And, um, and Amal Krishnamaraj was wanted to come back to India to Prabhupada with you know, being the, the, the leader on the, you know, a, a, a book distribution, which is, was a noble aspiration. But um, Ramaswar and I, Ramaswar, he, he was a figures man, so he did the figures all the time, so, and accounting, and, and, and my party was ahead, you know, of Krishnamaraj's party. And so what we did, Ramaswar and I, we, 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 we rigged it and we let them all win. Hmm? So that he could go back. I never told him this, but so he could go to America, go to India, and say that he was the top book distributor. Please, Prabhupada, hmm? um, because he was giving veiled threats that if he didn't win, you know, then maybe he'd just go back to India or something. And so we wanted him to stay and distribute books in North America. <laughs> so he won, and then the, the following year, then. Um, um, he uh, uh, threatened that, well, if I have to compete with Triparari Maharaj, my son Yasi Godbrother, and all these householders are running these temples both, then I might as well just, you know, give this up here. And uh, and uh, and he said, therefore, you, 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 I, I'm not going to do this unless you join me. Your party joins my party, or our parties join together. Then I'm going to. Um, give it up. So then I had to talk to Ramaswar. He thought I'm giving up the whole thing, you know. And I said, what are we going to do? You know. So, so um, um, we thought, okay, I guess we should merge our parties together. You know, it was, it, he was probably a bluff on his part, you know. <laughs> he was, he was a little bit like that. So then, so when I uh, agreed, then we went to see Prabhupada Tamal sitting on the March, and I had decided to merge our parties together and. Uh, and we were wondering what to call it. That was, I didn't think of that, but that's what he was. And so uh, his party was called the Radhadamadar Traveling Sankirtan Party. And ours was called the Bhaktivedanta Book Trust Traveling Sankirtan Party. We named our party after Prabhupada. He named his after the Radhadamadar deities that were the deities of Vishnu John Maharaj and the prime deities of the, all the traveling buses and so forth. So Prabhupada obviously deferred to the, the name that referred to Krishna rather than his own. So then we were, and then the Radhadamadar Traveling Sankirtan Party incorporated all of the devotees who were selling books at airports and so forth. And so that was a very interesting chapter. And that, that's when I you know, got to know him a lot, um, a lot more. Um, he had a very um, close relationship with Prabhupada. He knew Prabhupada very well. I wrote something about his passing when he passed away in remembrance of him and uh, his disciples who organized that uh, wrote to me afterwards and said that it was, it was the most feeling full uh, offering that uh, insightful offering that uh, they came into the, into the publication that they put out at the time. Um, so I had some feeling for him. Um, we had differences in style, we were very different, but I could understand his earnestness and he could understand mine. Um, when uh, to finish this long answer to your question, uh, I, I, by force of circumstances, as I saw it, left ISKCON after the departure of Prabhupada. Um, we communicated as well on um, um, two occasions. 
when Pujapat Sridharmarsh passed away, I called him and I informed him of that. And he was very taken by that. Um, and he just read a book that I had uh, written. Uh, really, I was, was a long introduction to a book of poems of Pujapat Sridharmarsh that he had original compositions of his in Sanskrit. Um, I think it was called Kirtan Manjusha. And he liked that very much because at that time he had just started to hear from um, Bhaktivedanta Narayan Maharaj. And, um, and um, so he was, some of the subjects that were in that book, Kirtan Manjusha, were relevant to what he was um, hearing from uh, Bhaktivedanta Narayan Maharaj at the time. So he kind of really connected with that. And then um, it was in 19... Um, 95, some years later, um, that again, he, he came to visit me in Vrindavan and he asked me to join him in an effort to help the governing body commission of ISKCON understand the principle of Siksha Guru, which he thought I had understood in my steadfastness in terms of connection to Sridhar Marsh at the cost of having a place in Iskon, because that wasn't allowed in Iskon at the time to have a Siksha Guru outside of Iskon. But he, he understood that, that, that what I had done was, was correct philosophically and, and from a, a point of view of um, heartfelt connection and so forth. And so at the time he was um, um, uh, taking Siksha from Narayanamar, so he, he wanted to. Um, make the point in the ISKCON society that, that what we had done is what he was doing and it was actually philosophically sound and so forth. So I agreed to help him. That's, that started some, another chapter, but um, I was then surprised, you know, shortly after that to hear of his passing, which was a tragic event, but I knew him well and uh, he was a, a very capable uh, organizer and preacher and um, he had um, a lot of affection you know for the devotees and a very I would say a deep relationship with Prabhupada from from previous uh, previous lives. He's not an ordinary man. Okay. So <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, that was a long answer, but it seemed to be the only way to answer. I, I could have gone on, gone on. It was hard to, I could talk for hours and hours and hours about that, those histories. Um, so a little glimpse into that. Thank you for the question. Any other Thank short you. question? Maybe we can deal with. Well, um, we have Krishna Das. Maybe he can keep his question short, and um, you okay, can tell me that keep you your answer short. <laughs> Krishna Das. Dandavats, good morning, Guru Maharaj. Um, so my question is just mainly dealing with a quote I remember hearing from Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur about, like, that one should not share one's bhajan or not readily talk about one's bhajan with others and I guess this was kind of confusing to me or I didn't really understand how to 
apply that practically because from my understanding, one of the hallmarks of Gaudiya Sampradaya is, you know, bringing Harinam Sankirtan public and, you know, sharing, um, you know, with others and trying to, you know, give the mercy to others. And um, I guess I was just wondering if you could clarify this uh, instruction from Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. Yeah, he's echoing the uh, the caution of Narutam Thakur. Um, and it's regard to, with regard to uh, the inner uh, life of a devotee. It, it, uh, and it, there's a place for sharing that, and there's a place for not sharing that. And um, um, so, for example, with peers, then one can share one's experience and practice and, um, and so forth and, and get inspiration and, and provide inspiration and so on and so forth. Um, with those who are not as advanced, who may be students uh, or in comparison to oneself, then one will exercise some caution and will not be able to say everything. Uh, what, what their understanding is will have to be taken into consideration in terms of what you might say about the practice, about your, your experience and so forth and so on. Um, that's uh, uh, the general idea. Now, Nartam's point is that the inner life, if it starts, as it starts to develop, then um, to uh, um, there is there is a possibility that one will broadcast that in a way that brings attention to oneself. Hmm? So that is compared to like a candle. Hmm? But if you bring attention to yourself, then that that may blow out the candle. Hmm? And so therefore, you should you should keep it to yourself. But doesn't mean it won't be revealed to those who are qualified and will be helped by that and so on and so forth. Now, uh, uh, therefore we find an instance in which Bhaktivinoda reveals his inner life. Um, it's one thing to talk about it in general, Madhuri Rasa, uh, you know, uh, Sakya Rasa um, and the virtues of them and, and so forth. Um, um, we, we published a book called Oh My Friend, Oh My Friend that uh, put together by, uh, written together by Ashram Marsh. And um, there's Prabhupada saying so many things about uh, his affinity for, for Saki Ras, but he's not talking about his identity within the context of that. Hmm? That's, that's more, um, more, more internal. It's, 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 uh, so, but we find in Bhaktivinoda's writings, as I was saying, that, that uh, in some places he, he shares that. So that's a rare occasion that may be done. Um, and I think he did that to instruct uh, the world uh, in some respects. But, but, but generally, the caution is because, as I say, as this starts to develop, one can speak about it in such a way that will draw attention to oneself, and that's the last thing that one wants to do. So, um, it's it's also a, you know to use a biblical uh, saying: "Don't throw pearls before the swine." Hmm? Uh, so, 
people are not going to understand it. Um, and, you know, potentially, and um, then it, you, you subject that precious thing to abuse and, and misunderstanding. So uh, it doesn't really apply to someone in your situation where you're going to tell people about the practices, you're going to share your experiences with other devotees and get feedback and so on and so forth. That's all well and good. But Bhajan, you know, to, to really, and, and, it, and it's, it's one thing to, to put the candle in the heart. It's another thing to light it, keep it lit. So a lot has to be said to put the candle in the heart. What is it? What is it? What is Madhurya Rasa? People like to use the term Manjari Baba. You know, what is it? What is the tattva? Rupa Goswami's books, both of them actually, Ujjwal Nilmani and, or I should say, Bhaktarasamrita Sindhu and the sequel, Ujjwal Nilmani, which deals extensively with Madhurya Rasa. These are all books of tattva, actually. It's Rasa tattva. It's the underlying philosophical principles and, and how it works, kind of the math of it all, if, if you will. Uh, some of it's quite quite technical, actually. In other words, there's, there's, there's nice and rich and sweet examples to illustrate different uh, points and different um, aspects of, of that uh, uh, sentiment, Madhuri Rasa. Um, so, you know, these types of books are about like, I say, so like putting the candle in the heart and then gradually it will be lit. And then when it's lit, boy, you got something here that, that, that everybody's not going to be able to take part in that you need time for your, to yourself you know, to take care of that, to culture that and so forth. Um, so I hope that helps. Thank you very much, Guru Maharaj. That helps a lot. Okay. Well, that's it. We only got two or three. Well, three, four questions. Got two yeah. there. Thank you. Yeah, we did good. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Wonderful answers. And okay. Got a lot of smiles out back there. So. Okay. Well, we hope the devotees and people in Ukraine will be uh, spared. Um, um, it's very, again, very troublesome um, circumstances. Heartbreaking to see uh, people, innocent people like that trampled upon. Um, so demons are not a fantasy; they exist, and we should try to avoid them and um, hope for the best and try to stay sheltered in Krishna, Krishna Kata and Krishna Kirtan. Hari Hari Bol. Thank you so much, Hare Krishna. So devotees, just stay on one second. I'll just tell you what's coming up in the next for the next um, month or so in classes. Um, <clears throat> tomorrow is the last day of the month and Atul Ananda Maharaj will be finishing his series of classes on the Chatra Shloki of the Bhagavad. And then we go into um, the classes for uh, March, which is a special month of classes dedicated to um, Lord Chaitanya and his advent. Um, <clears throat> on Mondays, Hari Priya Dasi will be giving classes on chanting as the prayer of the heart. And on Tuesdays, Guru Nishta 
We'll be giving um, classes on Hari Nam Chintamani, how to chant Shuddha Nam. And on Wednesdays, uh, Gaur Sundar will be giving class on exploring the third verse of the Shikshastakam. And Thursday, Rigupad will be, <clears throat> will be giving classes on Sri Chaitanya's holy land, Navadweep, um, Navadweep Dham Parikrama. And Fridays, Ashram Maharaj will be giving class on the impediments to the touchstone of the holy name. And on Saturdays, Shamananda Das will be giving class as the sun rises and sets. Gaudiya Vaishnavism goes west. And then Sunday, we're back here with questions and answers. And they'll also, there will be some special classes as well. Um, Guru Maharaj will be um, in um, the Raleigh-Durham area, Chapel Hill area for 10 days in March. So there'll be classes. We'll, we'll get more information on when, when and how those classes will be um, presented. So thank you, my dear devotees. Wonderful to see everyone. We've got a big crowd. I was a little worried when it was almost 25 after and there were four people on the call. I was like, oh my, but <laughs> everyone's getting on, getting on at the last minute these days. All right. Well, great seeing everyone and have a beautiful week and Hare Krishna.